Well, welcome back, everybody, to Story Simple Spirit Podcast on how to make sense of scripture. My name is John McCambridge, and I am joined, as always, I'm Jackie Mitchell. By Jackie Mitchell. Today is episode 39. Yeah. We're almost at another milestone. You know how we like milestones. (laughs) And we continue on today with Genesis 25. And so this is a chapter where we're going to say goodbye to Abraham. Mm. And uh, we're going to open the next chapter in the redemptive story of God. And so in today's episode, we'll see the death of Abraham and then a genealogy of the descendants of Ishmael, which is his first son, his other son, uh, not, not Isaac. And then next week, we'll look at the birth of Isaac's first two sons, Jacob and Esau. And so we're going to split these chapters up into two parts, verses 1 through 18 today, and then 19 through 34 next week. Yeah, a lot happens in this chapter really quickly. Yeah, it is kind of of a dense chapter. I feel like we should give enough time to saying goodbye to Abraham since we've been with him for the last like three or four months. Yeah, it's been the the biggest character we've worked with so far, longest time. Yeah. Now, Jackie, uh, before we get started, you were in New York. I was. How do you like New York City? I really like it. Do you do like the whole New York experience? Like, are you riding the subways? Yeah. Yeah. I love to take public transport in different like towns. Yeah. I really like it. Can you like figure it out? I mean, I haven't. Yeah. You can use an app and it's pretty intuitive. But do you, does it become intuitive by this? Like, do you feel like? I actually think New York's is less intuitive because it's not like it's a letter system and it's not just like A through like you know, G or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like random letters, it feels like. I actually think it's way less intuitive than like, I lived in Paris, I did an internship there, yeah. and I felt like their subway system was like, so like, well thought out, and like the number system that they used made sense. The New York subway is like letters and numbers, and like, I really can't determine like why. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. It's like, it's like take the, take the take, A. Yeah, to the W, to and, the four. And then, yeah, and then get on the 39. What? It's like, what's happening? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes I'm always like, is this a, like when I look at like Google Maps, I'm like, is this a bus or is it a train? Yeah, I really don't. It's really hard to tell. Yeah, I know. Because it's telling you the fastest route. It's not really telling you like. Yeah, it doesn't tell you like what system yeah. it is. Yeah, I'm sure it becomes intuitive when you live there. But yeah, so, yeah. so, so what do you do in New York? You're you're an avid thrifter. Yes, that's. I had a girls' trip with my my former college roommate, and basically just thrifted and nice. ate food. That's all we did all week. And so then, so then you came home and you were informed by your husband, Josh, that he's off the clock this weekend. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah. Josh told me he was, um, he was booked this weekend with his words. And I was like, Which he oh. does work on the weekends. Yeah. Right? Cause he's an audio engineer. Yeah. So he does a lot of different shows at like really odd times sometimes. So he told me, you know, Hey, I'm booked this upcoming weekend. And I was like, Oh, he's like, he's out of town. And a couple of days later, I was like, Hey, where are you? on a show like are you out of town are you just in columbus but you're booked and he was like what i'm not working and i was like oh you said you were booked and he said no personally i'm booked the new spider-man game comes out so i blocked out my schedule and i'm <laughs> Spider-Man from Fr- yeah he's he took the day off work friday and he i, I won't see him it sounds like until <laughs> sunday morning when we go to church so he's booked personally he was telling I me i can't see him for a couple days i do love <laughs> the idea of being off the clock with like your wife <laughs> i know and like that he did hey, work my calendar's blocked off sorry and that he worked monday through thursday so much that he made 40 hours specifically to take friday off he, and he had to tell his employer like hey i'm booked so is it tonight at midnight the game unlocks or oh whatever? yeah he and gets then, home at seven from a job okay. and he said he's gonna take a nap and then just wake up at midnight <laughs> <laughs> wow well, big weekend in the Mitchell family. Big weekend you'll have, you'll over to, here. You'll have to let us know how yeah. the gameplay goes. I know. Um, so before, I guess, we get started, uh, like always, like this, mm-hmm. subscribe to mm-hmm. the podcast, leave a review if you want. These are always helpful. And then the personal touch of sharing this podcast with a friend is always great, especially if you have found 
this podcast to be helpful in terms of your understanding of scripture. So uh, before we get into this week's, you know, chapter 25, let's recap. Yeah. So the storyline that we're kind of diving into now to some degree begins in Genesis 16, where Hagar gives birth to Ishmael, Mm -hmm. right? And it was made clear by God that Ishmael is not the promised son. And so the seed of redemption is not going to go through Ishmael. And then in Genesis 21, we saw the birth of Isaac, who is the promised seed. And this is Sarah and Abraham's Mm -hmm. son. And uh, through this seed, God's going to redeem and bless the world, right? So then Genesis 22, we saw the not, you know, what I call the not sacrifice of Isaac, Mm -hmm. right? Because it kind of seemed like for a moment that the whole promised seed was going to go away basically as soon as it started. Uh, And we saw uh, in that moment, a very important foreshadowing, Mm -hmm. what what we called, you know, a a Christology where where a ram is provided in place of Isaac. Mm -hmm. And that moment foreshadows both the sacrificial system of Israel that we're going to see as we move forward in the Torah and further it foreshadows the once and for all sacrifice of Christ that we will see in the culmination of of redemptive history Mm -hmm. in the gospel accounts. And so then in Genesis 23, Sarah dies. Yeah. And she's buried in a cave that's purchased by Abraham in the promised land, in the land of Canaan. And then last chapter, Genesis 24, we saw Abraham's senior servant find Isaac's wife, Rebecca, from his brother Nahor Mm -hmm. at a well. And we unpacked the significance of all of this. So what we didn't get into last time is we didn't get into the timeline of that. Mm -hmm. How long did it take for Isaac to find a wife? Mm -hmm. And so we will actually see that today. And it's kind of surprising because of how fast the narrative has been moving, uh, how long, you know, it seems like that actually took. And so uh, all of that is kind of to say that Abraham can can go in peace. Mm. And that's because the seed is not only born and alive, but the seed has a wife and is ready to begin a family yeah. where the generations will continue, which is a big part of, of the promise. Yeah, it right? seems like Abraham's got his house in order. Yeah. He's got everything lined up to come, so... Yeah, so the promises certainly haven't fully yeah. materialized, but they've started to come to fruition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we've we've gotten to see that. And that brings us to where we are today, Genesis 25. Let's begin with the first mm-hmm. four verses. Abraham had taken another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan was the father of Sheba and Dedan. The descendants of Dedan were the Asherites, the Latushites, and the Limerites. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanak, Abadah, and Elda. All of these were descendants of Keturah. All right. So remember that Abraham is supposed to be the father of multitudes. Mm-hmm. And so that's actually what his name means, mm-hmm. Avraham. And uh, so he's going to be the father of many nations. And so, you know, we, we have to consider this as we go through the story of, of the rest of his life, or, or I guess the rest of uh, the, the life of his lineage, he is the father of the promise. He is the father of the seed, the father of Isaac and all that will come from Isaac, which will be Israel. But he's also the father of many others. Yeah. Many other peoples. Absolutely. And so I'm not going to go through all of these peoples that, that you just read off uh, because, you know, to some degree, some of them are, are mysterious and, and quite, you know, tertiary to the mm-hmm. biblical story. But let's take Midian as an example. Okay. So according to what we just read, Midian is one of Abraham's sons born from Keturah. And so uh, when I say the word Midian, what story do you think of? Yeah, Moses kills the Egyptian, we'll get to in Mm. Exodus. 
pretty early on in Exodus and he flees up to Midian. Yeah, so he's kind of in exile yeah. in Midian for a while. Yeah. And he meets Jethro. Who, yeah, who's a priest there. Yeah, a priest of who? Midian. Yeah, and, and who? what god does, does Jethro worship? Yahweh. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So he is a priest of Yahweh yeah. in Midian. Yeah. And then uh, Moses actually finds a wife from Jethro's family. Mm-hmm. So, so Moses' wife is a Midian, uh, a Midianite. And he settles with them for a long time. And so in a way... Midian is intimately linked to the biblical story at a very key moment in, in redemptive history, mm-hmm. right? And when you read the story of Exodus going forward, it, it like you said, it seems like Jethro is a Yahweh worshiper, mm-hmm. that, that he's actually a priest of Yahweh in Midian. And so these are believers, mm-hmm. right? These are people under the covenant, but, but they're not the carriers of the covenant, mm-hmm. right? They're not, the, they're not a part of the actual seed. That, that line is gonna go through Isaac, um, and so the Midianites are not Israelites. And yet, because they worship Yahweh and their descendants of Abraham, they are indeed under, under the covenant. Mm-hmm. And so as Yahweh worshipers, they have full access to the full blessings of God and his covenant. And so um, uh, through faith and worship, they can belong to that covenant. Mm-hmm. And you see that. Now, what we'll see going forward is that these you know, Gentiles, these these. Uh, uh, these particular sons of Abraham are going to worship other gods. Mm-hmm. And in that rebellion, uh, they'll be cut off from the covenant yeah, and, until restoration through Christ. And so one of the interesting things about this, and I know we're spending a lot of time on the first four verses, but uh, one of the interesting things about this is that Isaiah actually prophesies about the sons of Abraham who have gone astray being regathered under the rule of the mm-hmm. Messiah. And so I'm going to read uh, Isaiah 60, 1 through 7 and give a little bit of commentary on this because he's, he's actually talking about what we just saw transpire in, in Abraham and his wife, Keturah, and their sons. So Isaiah 60, 1 through 7 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So you see there in the first couple of verses that this is a messianic prophecy. He's mm-hmm. talking about the moment that the Messiah comes and takes his throne. And so you're going to see these themes of light and glory, the coming together of kingdoms and nations and some kind of momentous, conclusive uh, moment. And this is very consistent with the Old Testament messianic prophecies, yeah. Yeah. right? And so he goes on and says, lift up your eyes and look about you. All assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters are carried on the hip. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. Herds of camels will cover your land. Young camels of Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Mm. So there's three Name nations yeah. that are mentioned right there, Midian, Ephah, and Sheba. And those are all the descendants of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And all three of them were just mentioned in, in what we just read. Midian is Abraham's son. And I believe that Sheba and Ephah are, are his grandsons. Mm-hmm. And so what's being shown here when the Messiah comes mm-hmm all of Abraham's children come back together, right? They will, by and large, go astray. Yeah. 
Uh, and to various degrees, you'll be able to see that in the way that they deal with God's chosen people, Israel, throughout the, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But when the Messiah comes, all of Abraham's children will be regathered under his leadership. Mm-hmm. And so remember the covenant with Abraham, the seed will be blessed and the world will be blessed. And so you think about it like concentric circles that start going outwards, like ripples yeah. on a pond, right? Yeah. Israel in the center. And then as you go out, the rest of Abraham's sons. And then as you go out, the whole world. Yeah. Right? And so Isaiah goes on, all Kedar's flocks will be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth will serve you. They will be accepted as offerings on my altar and I will adorn my glorious temple. So we haven't read this yet, but we're going to read this next in the story. Uh, but the, the thing that we read right after Abraham's death is a genealogy of the sons of Ishmael, mm-hmm. who is Abraham's mm-hmm. other son. Uh, and so uh, guess what names you, you're going to see in that genealogy? Mm-hmm. The names that I just read, Nebaioth yeah. and Kadar. Uh, they're actually the first two sons yes. listed yeah. in the genealogy of, of Ishmael. And so they're also Abraham's grandsons. So the children of Abraham are regathered in the Mashiach or in the Christos, the Christ, the, the, the Messiah. And this is a huge part of the messianic theme. The nations with special focus, at least from the Israelite prophets on the descendants of Abraham are regathered under Israel's Messiah mm-hmm. and the Messiah that, that comes from, from the line of Isaac. And so this is part of the, the culmination of redemptive history. Yeah. And remember that that you know when we say redemption and restoration it means a return to the way that things are supposed to be. Yeah. Right? Sometimes we think more of it like God's plan A didn't work so then the Messiah comes and executes plan B. Yeah. But that's not true. Um the sons of Abraham, all of them are supposed to be in concert with one another worshiping Yahweh. Now, Isaac is the carrier of the covenant, the carrier of the promise, the carrier of redemption, but there's all these other sons. They're all supposed to be gathered together, mm-hmm. worshiping Yahweh as a family as they're spread out across that, that region. And that doesn't happen. Yeah. And so part of what the messianic restoration is, is a regathering, uh, not just of Israel, which we will see also splits in half, but a regathering of all the sons of Abraham. Yeah. And then that goes on out into the whole world. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is when you start to draw the, th- the, the thread lines through the, the narrative, you start to actually see this kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's pretty really cool. cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's do uh, five and six. Abraham left everything he owned to Isaac, but while he was still living, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them away from his son, Isaac, to the land of the East. Yeah. So what do you, what do you notice about this? Well, he sent them away to the East mm-hmm. for one. We'll talk about that. Yeah. We Which know what we East know what that means. means. We know what that means. Um, so Isaac's the the sole inheritor mm. of everything Abraham owns. It sounds like, but he did bless his other sons mm. to some degree, right? Yeah, yeah, but not to the degree that he blesses the seed carrier, right? Yeah. So so even in the immediate storyline, mm-hmm. the other sons receive gifts. Yeah, like in, true. in Abraham's lifetime. Yeah, right. He blesses them with gifts. And so they are not the carriers of the covenant, but they do receive the blessings of the covenant, mm-hmm. right? That's that's really, yeah. really important uh, for us to understand in, in, as we trace redemptive history. And so this is a picture of the nations being blessed through Abraham. Mm-hmm. He is to become a nation and then that nation will be blessed, but that nation will bless the other nations. And his sons who are not Isaac are not left out, mm-hmm. 
right? It's not like, oh, well, you know, he picked Isaac, so all the other sons are cast away. Mm-hmm. We we saw that with Ishmael. That's not mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. And it's not true of these sons uh, either. Yeah, Ishmael buried Abraham together with Isaac, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And, and was promised multiple times yeah. all the blessings of the covenant, yeah. right? So um, sometimes when we read the Bible and we think about the family genealogies and the um, the one who gets quote unquote picked, Mm-hmm. we think of it as like a zero sum game, right? Yeah. He picks Isaac, so he doesn't pick Ishmael. Yeah, it maybe feels a little bit unfair to us sometimes. Yeah, he picks Isaac, so he doesn't pick Midian. Yeah. That's not true, mm-hmm. right? He picks Isaac for, God chooses Isaac for a specific purpose, but all of the sons of Abraham are supposed to be under this covenant, right? Lot was supposed to receive the blessings mm-hmm. of the covenant. Ishmael, was supposed to receive the blessings of the covenant. All of the names that we just read, supposed to receive that. And they also have like moments with God where God gives them specific directives. So Isaac is not like the only person that God tells what to do, right? It's just that he will, through him and his lineage, the Messiah will come. Yeah, These people are all commanded by God to do things. Yeah. And so remember that the Bible is the story of Israel. Mm-hmm. And so it's a selective history that that traces this nation because the Messiah who redeems the world comes through Israel, mm-hmm. which is what we've been talking about. But what we're going to see uh, in the conquest narratives is that, uh, you know, next week we're going to talk about Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. And the spoiler is that Jacob is the one through whom the blessings go and Jacob becomes the father of Israel. But what we see going forward is that the descendants of Esau mm-hmm conquer the giant clans under the directive of God before the Israelites go into certain places, the the Nephilim that are there. And so God is in communication with these people. Absolutely. Right? They can worship him. Mm -hmm. They're called to worship him. And when they do, they receive the the blessings of the covenant. And so here, I think it's interesting is, is it kind of, there's like a little bit of a, of a change, right? Mm -hmm. In, in this idea of eastward, Mm -hmm. meaning bad. Right. So we've seen so far, is that when you go east, um, it's to go away from the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. It's to go away from the presence of God, east of the garden, east of Eden, all the way out to Babylon. Right. To, uh, Lot goes east, right? To be sent east is symbolically to go away from the presence of God. But here we are with all of this language about covenant blessings to Ishmael and covenant blessings to Abraham's other sons going east, and so what is this supposed to be pointing to? What is this supposed to be telegraphing? Mm. Well, they're sent east. They go out into the world, yeah. away from the sanctuary. Right. But there's a door to come back. Mm. And which side of, of the promised land, which side of the sanctuary is the door on? Mm. It's on the east side. Mm-hmm. And it's open, right? And if they remain faithful... Now you start to see this conquest in the name of Yahweh. They go east out into the world and in faithfulness, uh, they, they take the blessings of Yahweh in the name of Yahweh, live, and then bring their fruits back. Yeah, it's different than a lot of people we've seen go east before where it's kind of like they like make a bad decision yeah, and they exactly. kind of get cut off from their family or because of their sin, like they have to be exiled. Yeah. But now this is like, no one's been exiled here. They've been sent out. Yeah, it's more of a commissioning, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
So what is that to you when you say that? What does that sound like it's foreshadowing? Sounds like the Great Commission yeah. that what, Jesus gives to his disciples. And what yeah. is that? To go into all of the world yeah. and go make out disciples. There. Yeah. Not to go away from my presence. Right. To go out there in my name and take my kingdom yeah. and my blessings to everybody. Which is a good, because I think we talk about a lot like how eastward movement, you know, kind of signifies moving away from God. Well, that's only if you aren't in communion with God. Right. And so here they are like still communing with God but then taking that blessing further, which right. is always what God intended. Exactly. And so I think that this is a foreshadowing of yeah. that, a, a, a dress rehearsal yeah. for the great commission and yeah. what's going to happen under, under the new covenant. Um, but the catch is that what if they're not faithful to God? Yeah. What is their eastward movement if they stray? Mm. Well, then it is exile. Yeah. Right? And so you and I, as disciples of Jesus Christ in the church in, in this moment of redemptive history, we're sent out into the world. Mm -hmm. And that's not an exile, that's a mission. Mm -hmm. But if we go out into the world and we stray from God, then what is it? It is exile. It is exile. Yeah, absolutely. And so it really depends on your loyalty mm -hmm. to who you say that, that you worship. Um, and so let me give you an example of this. In, in Exodus, Moses goes to Jethro, who's a, like we said, a Midianite priest faithful to Yahweh and Jethro blesses Moses in many ways. They work together in the name of Yahweh. But then later in the book of Numbers, we see that the Midianites attack the Israelites. Mm -hmm. So there's two paths, yeah. right? There's two roads for, for the, the nations connected to Abraham. Faithfulness leads to being tied with God and receiving his blessings but faithlessness or being antagonistic to God leads to exile mm -hmm. and ultimately destruction. And so to some degree, the choice is theirs. Yeah. And the choice is ours. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the door is open, right? And the door is open for us. Um, but this is what we see with Abraham's own sons. And so the opportunity is given to them to be under the covenant and to receive mm -hmm. the blessings of the covenant, but they have to walk with God in yeah. order to do that, right? So- sent out, it can be exile, or you can be a mission carrier. Mm -hmm. Depends on how you respond and how, how you respond in faithfulness to God as you're Depends on your communion with God, yeah. Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. Um, okay, let's do uh, seven through 11. This is, this is the, uh, the burial, the death and burial of Abraham. Abraham lived 175 years. Then Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and he was gathered to his people. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre, in the field of Ephron, son of Zoar the Hittite, the field that Abraham had bought from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with his wife Sarah. After Abraham's death, God blessed his son Isaac, who was then living near Beer Lahai Roy. Mm. So Abraham dies, 75 years old, a good long- Where Sarah was buried. Exactly. So this is where Sarah was buried. And- uh, like we keep saying, when you read the Bible as a story and you read it in succession, you'll notice that certain things are repeated and they're repeated like verbatim. And it can be kind of annoying because that's not the way that we write novels, yeah. right? But, you know, here, like, I just think it's, it's interesting that it's like, uh, he was buried in this place and it rings a bell. And then it says, that's the field that Abraham had bought from the Hittites, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> because it wants you to remember yeah. that story. And that's because it's trying to tell you something, yeah. right? It's emphasizing something important. And uh, we said that we titled that episode something about the down payment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And that's because by purchasing this piece of land and burying Sarah there, 
a piece of the promised land is already theirs. Yeah. He did not receive it as a gift from the Canaanites. Mm -hmm. He bought it. Mm -hmm. And so it belongs to him. Yeah. That cave in the middle of the promised land belongs to Abraham and his family. And Sarah was buried there and Abraham dies and he's buried there. And mm -hmm. so one day that whole land will be theirs. Just like you buy a house, you make a down payment. One day the whole house will be yours. Yeah. Uh, but right now, part of it belongs to you. Right. A piece of its value belongs to you. Here, one day the whole promised land will be theirs, but right now this cave in Machpelah near Mamre, which is where Abraham and Sarah lived in, mm -hmm. in their tents, that was kind of their home base for a while, um, that is theirs. And so he's buried. And the burial is kind of a liturgical or a ritualistic act of faith. He's buried in the promised land because he believes God's promise. Mm -hmm. So he dies. And the promised land is not his. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Yeah. The, the book of Hebrews is going to really zero in on this. Yes. Yeah. What does it mean to live in faith? It means that you believe the promises of God, even if you don't see them come to fruition. Yeah. And so you are supposed to live your life uh, doing what is in front of you to move the kingdom of God forward, living in faith to God. So, uh, you know, the Messiah is gonna come thousands of years after this. Right. So the fruition of the promise is not gonna come for 2000 years. And yet Abraham lives faithfully. Yeah. And he dies and his burial is a ritualistic act that shows that he believes the promise, mm -hmm. even though it hasn't come to fruition yet. Yeah, and he was blessed definitely in his own ways through his faith to God. I mean, he for had sure. a family. You know, but I think it's important to note that a stipulation of following God is not, and then eventually God will reveal everything mm -hmm. to you in your lifetime about what he was up to, right. or that you'll see the fruition of things he called you to be faithful to. Right. This doesn't matter. Exactly. And there's an individual, there's like an individualistic mm -hmm. aspect of blessing that we have that I think is pretty damaging to understand what it means to be the church. Yeah. Because we kind of look at it transactionally, like our economic system. Yeah, what can I get from following God or yeah, from so, being in communion with the church? Right. So I'm going to be blessed yeah. by following God. So if I tithe, then actually something should happen in my life where my bank account goes up. Yeah. And the reality is, is that you are blessed by God. You're blessed by the communion with God. You're blessed by the purpose of God. Mm -hmm. You're blessed by the presence of God and the community of God. But your actions are supposed to bless the church and then bless the world. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if you if you give money to the church, which we're commanded to do, and your bank account doesn't go up, that does not mean that God is withholding his blessings from yeah, you. Right. That means that you are acting in accordance with the mission of God mm -hmm. and the blessings are actually being distributed through you to the world. Mm -hmm. And so it's not transactional. It's not a tit for tat thing, yeah. right? It's not re retribution mm -hmm. where, um, and nor, nor would we want it to be. Right. Because if it was like that for sin, yeah. then we'd all be dead, <laughs> right? Right. right. Um, but Abraham is such a good example of this mm -hmm. because the promise to him is so much bigger than his own life. Yeah. It's so much bigger than his own prosperity. The promise is this huge thing that he can't even hardly see mm -hmm. or imagine that's going to take so many years after he's dead, and yet he believes it. And the blessing he holds on to is communion with God himself. 
yeah. and he walks with God. Which is blessing enough, 100%. He, he's going to be called at some point in the Bible a friend of God. Yeah. And I always think that that is, you know, when I think about my prayer life, mm-hmm. I think that's what I, that's what I want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you think about being a soldier for God and being, you know, all of these, all of these saved by God. But I, I also want to be a friend with God. Yeah. And Abraham is that. And so he is, you know, here he is. He's gone now. Mm-hmm. He's dead and he's buried. And so this chapter, if you will, of, of redemptive history is over. And what an example we have yeah. of the life of Abraham, of what it looks like to walk in patient faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, next week, the theme, when we talk about Jacob and Esau, this theme of patience, waiting and trusting God, rather than taking what you want and what you think you need is going to come up again. Yeah, absolutely. Because it is absolutely a quintessential aspect of faith. Yeah. Um, okay. So now, interestingly enough, we move on to a genealogy of Ishmael. Yeah. Right? Which is kind of feels random yeah. because we're kind of waiting for Isaac, yeah. the story of Isaac. Uh, but but let's end today with this genealogy of Ishmael 12 through 18. Mm. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Ishmael, whom Sarah's slave, Hagar the Egyptian, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael listed in the order of their birth. Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, Kadar, Adbil, Mibsam, Mishma, Dumah, Masah, Hadad, Tamah, Jatur, Nafish, and Kedamah. These were the sons of Ishmael, and these are the names of the 12 tribal rulers according to their settlements and camps. Ishmael lived 137 years. He breathed his last and died, and he was gathered to his people. His descendants settled in the area from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt, as you go down towards Asher. And they lived in hostility towards all the tribes related to them. Mm. So this is a good example of how the Bible is the history of Israel. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see stories about Isaac. We're going to see stories about Jacob. We're going to see stories about Jacob's 12 sons. We're going to see stories going forward about their descendants and everything. Uh, And we don't see very much about Ishmael. Yeah. Right? He lived. We we actually heard more about him when he was a baby. Yeah. Or when he when he was in utero. Yeah. And then we don't really hear from him. And then he pops up to bury Sarah. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 or he pops up to bury uh, uh, Abraham. Abraham. And then he died. And then they give him the, his death genealogy. Yeah. Right. And that's really all that we hear from him. Right. Uh, so so just kind of interesting to know that like some people think that the Bible is a history book. It's not a history book. No. It's not. So. Uh, um, this is all that we kind of know about Ishmael. Already, there's too many people to go into history of. Yeah. It'd just be an impossible yeah, we don't task. Read our, yeah. When people say that sometimes, like, we don't read our Bible anyways. You want to read about Ishmael now? Yeah. You guys don't <laughs> want more genealogies in here, I promise. <laughs> and so, okay. So, uh, Nebaioth and Kedar were mentioned in that passage in Isaiah, Yeah, right? So, the grandsons of, of Abraham. Uh, sons of Ishmael, relatives of Abraham, and they settled down in Havilah to Shur. Mm-hmm. Ashur. Havilah and east to Ashur. Mm. And so this may ring a bell if you remember Genesis 2 when it describes the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. right? In the Garden of Eden in Genesis 2, there's four what? Rivers. Rivers. Yeah. And we said that this is symbolic. Uh, they flow in you know four directions of the cardinal directions. And it's symbolic of going to the to the four corners of the earth. Yeah, the right? blessing of God reaching mm-hmm. all of the world. Yeah, and so um, 
Genesis 2, 10 through 14. I'll read it real quick. A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. And from there, it was separated into four headwaters. The name of the first is the Pishon. It winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there's gold. The gold of that land is good. Aromatic and resin and onyx are also there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It winds through the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It runs along the east side of Ashur. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Mm. So you always want to try to hyperlink this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's all connected. And so Havilah is south of Eden and Ashur is east of Eden. And almost the exact same references that you see in what you just read. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Havi, they, they settle in Havilah in the south and they settle east mm-hmm. to Ashur. And so Havilah has gold and onyx. Yes. Right? And when we get to the Exodus, we're going to see that the people of God are delivered out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness of Sinai, which is south of the promised land, mm-hmm. probably at least approximately uh, in, the, in the geographical area of what is being described here as Havilah. Mm-hmm. And guess what goes into the tabernacle? Mm, gold and onyx. Gold and onyx. And so just kind of an interesting geographical aside, but this is the region that's being talked about. And it's the family of Abraham that's supposed to be spread through this mm-hmm. region. So the question is kind of like, okay, why is that genealogy just kind of inserted here? Yeah. You know, um, we, we asked that question about the genealogy of Abraham's brother, right? In Genesis 20 or in 22. Yeah. So it's like the near sacrifice of Isaac, and which then, is like this crazy moment. Yeah. And then they're like, here's a genealogy of, of the Abraham's cousins. brother yeah. who you've never heard of yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. By the way, he has a brother. Here's all of his family history. <laughs> and so here it's like the death of Abraham. Yeah. The death of the initial seed carrier. We just saw that Isaac has a wife and is going to start a family. And so we're like, okay, let's go. And Abraham dies. Okay. Now here's a genealogy of Ishmael who we're not going to talk about anymore. Yeah. And it's like, so why is this inserted here? So here, here's kind of what, what I think. Um, just like the genealogy of Nahor, Abraham's sons Nahor had. And how many sons did Abraham have? 12, correct? Before Keturah, oh. when that genealogy was mentioned. Oh, one or two. Two, yeah, two, right? yeah. And one of them was not really legitimate. Yeah. Right? And so uh, now at the end of Abraham's life, there's a genealogy of Ishmael and guess mm-hmm. how many sons he has? He has 12 sons, they say. Yeah. It's just like Nahor. Yeah. And so we talked about patient faith, mm-hmm. that God moves in a timeline mm-hmm. that's different than ours. And that's kind of the the whole point of, of Abraham's faithfulness. That's like one of the key mm-hmm. uh, through lines of Abraham's faithfulness. And so I think that maybe the question that we're getting at here is that look at what God is doing for the relatives of Abraham. Mm-hmm. They're not the covenant carriers. His brothers, right? Uh, his brother and his son, who's not the the seed. Twelve sons. Mm-hmm. So the question is: Is he going to do the same thing mm. for for the promise, right? Because Abraham has a couple sons, mm-hmm. and then has a few more a few sons. More, yeah. Uh, and then what we're going to see is that Isaac only has two sons. Yeah. And here's Isaac's brother has twelve. Mm-hmm. Now, when Abraham only had two sons, guess how many sons his brother had? Twelve, yeah. And so the question is, um, it's been told to them that the covenant, the promises go through them, and yet they're not multiplying. Yeah. The way that their brothers, who are not the covenant carriers, are multiplying. Yeah. 
And so the question is, is God going to do that for, for the seed? And what we're going to see is that we have to wait another generation, mm-hmm. right? Because like I said, Isaac has two sons. One of them is named Jacob. Yeah. Guess how many sons Jacob has? Just 12. 12. Yeah. And it becomes the 12 tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. right? And so um, this is another example of godly patience. Yeah. You know, God makes us wait for things sometimes. And some of that is because he's working on a different timeline than us. But some of that, is because if we are going to be the mission carriers of God, then we have to be tested. We have to be made firm. Mm. We have to go through the wilderness. We have to wait and actually trust him, mm-hmm. right? If God says, you know, let, let, let's just say, um, if, God, if God says, uh, okay, I'm gonna give you a son and you're like, oh, okay, cool. I believe God. And then the next day you, you guys are pregnant. Yeah. It's like, well, that didn't take much faith. Yeah, right. right? That didn't really develop trust in God. Right. But then you look at the story of Abraham. It's like, well, what if he says he's going to give you a son and then uh, when you're really old, you have one and then he tells you that's not actually the son. And then when you're a hundred, you have the actual son he promised. It's like, well, that requires significant trust and faith. So much more faith, yeah. And so, um, you know, the the question of, of evil and the will of God is a different question. So I don't believe that God inflicts people with evil, bad things in order to, to, to develop their faith. But I do think he makes you wait for what you want. Yeah. Because waiting's not evil. Waiting is not evil. Yeah. I mean, nothing in the way that he dealt with Abraham was evil. Yeah. I mean, Abraham is incredibly blessed. Yeah, but sometimes we feel when we have to wait for things that it's an injustice to us, right? Right. We count it as evil. Yeah. When it's not. And so Abraham waited so long mm. and his brother has 12 sons. Mm-hmm. Then Isaac, we're going to see next chapter, who has to wait a long time yeah. before he has sons. He only has two. His brother Ishmael has 12. Mm-hmm. So it's not even just about the faith of, of uh, Abraham. It's like God is developing the faith of the people who are going to carry his covenant forward, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so I think that you can label something like that discipline. Yeah, for sure. Right? It's not God hitting you with a ruler. Yeah. It's you saying, I want this thing. I think God wants me to have this thing and waiting for him to give it to you. Yeah. And uh, in order to do that, it takes profound trust. Yeah, absolutely. And in that trust, you develop real trust, right? You you become what you do. You become mm-hmm. what you practice. And so... Yeah. um at the end of this verse, it says that these people live in hostility towards their relatives. Yeah. Right. And so this is a famously difficult verse to translate. It's okay. somewhat unclear Hebrew. And so sometimes people will just say like they lived alongside mm. or they lived to the east mm. or, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. But, but there is some kind of consensus, you know, amongst uh, certain uh, uh, translation, you, you know, uh, translation like experts. Uh, yeah experts yeah. that that they lived in hostility and we'll see that to some degree yeah. as as we go forward and so remember that abraham is the blessed one of god and so he is god's friend and his prophet and his covenant carrier and those related to him has full access to the covenant and all the blessings that come from it but it is also possible for them to rebel against this order mm-hmm. and if they do they don't receive the blessings of the covenant and they'll be treated as such yeah right they'll be treated as rebels 
And so we're going to see kind of a checkered history moving forward. At times, these people that we're seeing here, the sons, the other sons of Abraham Mm -hmm. and the sons of Ishmael, at times, they're going to be allied with their relatives, Israel. Mm -hmm. And at times, they're going to be hostile. And so, you know, the choice is theirs. Absolutely. And so in the church today of Jesus Christ, uh, we're the people of God and the choice is still ours. Yeah. And you can be grafted in, right? You can accept the gift and you can also live in hostility towards the church. And if you do, you will be under the curse or the judgment of God mm-hmm. uh, because we are his children. Yeah. And so uh, what, if you're a father, what do you do to people who are hostile towards your your children? You don't let them hurt your children. Right. It's judgment. Yeah. And so as the church, you know, we do have to understand that there's hostility towards God in the world mm-hmm. and we will feel the brunt of that. Mm-hmm. You know, we will feel that hostility because we're his children. And so part of part of the trust is to understand that those people are loved by God and have access to the blessings of the covenant like we do. Yeah. And yet if they don't accept it, then that will transpire at some degree, right? There's something called boiling point. Mm. And so, yeah, we can all live in harmony for a while. At some point, you know, the metal, you know, the, the, the rubber meets the road. And so at some point that, that kind of harmony that you have uh, for people, if you love God and they hate God, that's going to come to a boiling point, right? Yeah, for sure. And so, um, you, you know, we will even get to see that with the relatives of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Full access to the blessings of the covenant. But if they're not faithful to God and if they rebel against God, then that will result in hostility towards his children. Yeah. And then they will be treated as such. Yeah, absolutely. Right, by, 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 their, by their father. And so uh, part of the reason we're doing this podcast is because we keep talking about the church. And we're only 25 chapters in. Yeah. Right. All of this is foreshadowed here at the very beginning of the Bible. Yeah. The sons of Abraham, the gathering of the nations, living in faith under the covenant or in faithlessness outside of the covenant. This is not theology that Jesus makes up. It's not theology that Paul makes up. It's biblical theology that begins in the first 20 to 30 chapters of the Bible. Which is really cool. Right. Which is cool. And so now Abraham's gone. Mm -hmm. And basically Ishmael's gone, at least from the story. Yeah. And so next week we get into the genie or the uh, the beginnings of the children of Isaac. Yeah, and that's going to be a, a fun episode too. Absolutely. Right, got anything else? That's it for me. All right. Appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you next week on Story Simple Spirit. Mm-hmm.